He doesn't bite anyone. <laughs> That's a good start. Yeah. yeah. He's not racist. Yeah. He doesn't, well, as far as you know, he's never slept with a teammate's wife. Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. After 36 games, 69 goals, 129 yellow cards, two red cards, 29,778 passes, 374 corners, 154 offsides, one burst ball and one sweet, one sensational, one stupefying, one spectacular, one staggering goal from Robbie Brady. We are out of the group stages and into the round of 16. Here to talk about all of that and much more is Paddy Higgs. Oh. <laughs> what sort of hello is that? I don't know, yeah. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nico Durbin. <laughs> Hi, guys. And making his podcast debut, it's Manfredi Miyashida. Hello, hello. Nice did, I get that, did I get that pronunciation yeah, spot okay? On. Spot yeah. on. Yeah, my Japanese, my <laughs> Japanese pronunciation is good. So, Manfredi, for those of you, for the, for the people out there who don't know you, yeah. maybe you could share a little interesting fact about yourself. Just give the listeners an, an insight into who you are. Okay, um, I'm half Italian, half Japanese, 23 years old, um, just graduated from uni in England, and uh, yeah, now I'm in Berlin, a uh, newsroom intern, and I'm an extremely superstitious person. <laughs> oh yeah, especially what's your, what's, your, what's your biggest superstition? This is interesting to know. Especially when I watch football, like if my team is winning, I never change the routine, and if they, <laughs> in the next game, I just do exactly the same. Uh, I sit in the same place. I put on the same clothes. It's it's pretty disturbing, but yeah, it works. It works most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the reason why Italy lost yesterday? Then, what did you do wrong to contribute to the defeat? Uh, well, the first two games, I saw them in the office, and yesterday I went back home to watch. Them. Ah, yeah, they're, they're good. Ah, <laughs> disrupted the routine. Yeah. Nico, do you have any sort of similar superstitions when you're watching football? No, I had more superstitions when I was playing football. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, always left foot, right foot, and so on. Putting the boots on, that sort of stuff. You are joking. Yeah, no, of course. I always put on my left boot first. And do you still do that when we go play five-a-side now? Maybe unconsciously. I, I'm not, like, putting any efforts into it anymore. Uh-huh. Um, okay. But watching football, I, I do have one or two Stuttgart jerseys um, that I feel like they win uh, more often when I wear them. <laughs> I have one that I don't wear anymore for matches because um, I wore it for a really important match when I w- went to the stadium a couple of years ago and they lost. So from that right. time, I never wore it again. I'd say that was the reason they lost, of course, you wearing that jersey. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Paddy? Uh, I'm just more of a lucky undies kind of guy. <laughs> oh, so no. when I was playing, like, I used to have to trust the underwear that I was, I was in. And um, What, what do you mean by trust? Like you had to feel comfortable in yeah, it? Yeah, but like, you know, but I think trust, I don't know how much better to say it. Like, yeah, you have to feel comfortable. But, uh, that's part of it. But just to trust, you know, like you're ready. It's part of your, your battle equipment. I don't know, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, after a while, a couple of years of, you know, the same pair of underwear, of course, they'd somehow go missing when mum found a way to sort of steal them out of the drawer and throw them out. But then, you know, there's plenty of other lucky undies out there in the sea, so there was always another pair for me. (laughs) I never had any myself except for when I was watching football. If, say, the team that I was supporting were playing well and I was sitting in a particular position, I wouldn't change that position. (laughs) I would try try staying that until, until, uh, you know, the end of the match. Anyway, (laughs) with that out of the way, now before this pod got going I sent you all an email 
not the one with the the lewd pictures. Uh, that was in the, that was another day, another time we can talk about that. The one with the four questions about the Euros. What I wanted to know was your standout player, your biggest disappointment, your biggest surprise, and your favorite team so far. Paddy, let's start off with you and your standout player, because quite frankly, I'm shocked it's not Jack Wilshire. Yeah, well, I mean, Payet was also, a, a, you know, a little obvious as well. Um, so Dimitri Payet so far is your... Yeah, I, I just thought that everyone would pick him as well. Um, who do I actually have as my favourite you, uh, Ham- <laughs> you went for Hamzik. Yeah, actually, no, yeah, sorry. Thanks for reminding me. No, um, no not at all. Uh, yeah, I think Hamzik has been... There's no way Slovakia would be in the position they are without him. I've always liked Hamzik, but I always considered him just a, a standard, in a way, number 10, and, and one that, you know, the, the teams were almost... Uh, it, it had to fit around him rather than, you know, him fitting around the team. And I think with Slovakia, he's shown, because they don't have the talent depth that some of his club teams have had, um, he's shown that he can adapt to the players around him, um, which I think can be a bit of a difference um, when we talk about, we'll obviously talk about Ronaldo at some point, but when you talk about Ronaldo with the Portuguese team, it's how the team revolves around Ronaldo. But I think Hamzik showed that he can revolve around that team. And as a consequence, they're where they are in the round of 16. Okay. Nico, you went for... Jerome. Jerome Boateng. Yes. Is this because of the cool glasses that he wears? <clears throat> no, nah, it has nothing to do with his uh, extraordinary style. It's in spite of the cool glasses. Yeah, in, <laughs> in spite. No, I think um, he he got some spotlight here in Germany and he, he well deserves it. I mean, everybody's saying, you know, Germany is not being as um, good as everybody expected them to be and so on, but... Let's be honest, who is doing these Euros? And at the end of the day, we didn't concede one goal. Um, we didn't allow many chances. And I think that Jerome Boateng plays a major role in that fact. What I liked about Boateng is how he didn't get caught up in the whole controversy, the whole neighbours controversy, and, oh. just, and just stayed focused on his game. Oh, yeah. It just, it just pushed him even more. Like It showed him how many people are on his side. Mm-hmm. Like He has nothing to worry about. And if you look at his his uh, uh, matches so far, you see that he is involved in many dangerous tackles. You know, it's not just having a good standing game and winning a header here and there. Like, he has one-on-one tackles um, that are successful so far. And that's why, for me, he is a standout player in the Germany squad and therefore my standout player of the tournament. Manfred, you've gone for Gareth Bale? Yeah, I mean, Gareth Bale's been outstanding. It was... It was already an achievement for Wales to reach the Euro 2016, and now they're in the next round. They topped the group. They, uh, you know, they're in front of England, who were the favourites of that group. And Bale, Bale just carried the team through all of the group stages. He's, I think, he scored in all three games uh, for Wales, two free kicks. Um, so he's been the true leader of the team, the true like heart of the team, and. I think the fans are all behind him. The team trusts him. You know, his teammates trust him. And he's he's the main guy of the year, I think, along with, obviously, Dimitri Payet and a few others. But, yeah. yeah. What about Gareth Bale's hair, right? I just got a question. You, you're kind of some stylish dudes, right? <laughs> Gareth Bale's hair, is it worse than um, El Shawari's? No. Yes. No. Definitely. No. Yes. He had a huge patch. You're comparing his... apples and pears here. Yeah, I just, El Shawari, I mean, what's he thinking? How, how does he get up in the morning and look at that and go, yeah, this is a good idea? But then we have to talk about Nengolan. Oh, that's another conversation altogether. Yeah. I mean, El Shawari's hair, like, 
represents his where his background. He's half Egyptian, half Italian, so it kind of reflects, you know, the Egyptian <laughs> Egyptian style. Yeah. So I think it, it suits him perfectly. But Bales yeah. is just, you know, a, a Welsh guy who's travelled to Madrid and got cool all of a sudden. You know, that represents that. I don't know how it's a lot different, surely. I bet Bale wears those yoga pants around yeah. in, his, in, his, not... in his free time. I bet he does. Yeah. Uh, Paddy, you mentioned Ronaldo and you, Nico, have him down as one of your, your disappointments. Yeah. I mean, we should say you did nominate him before last night's game. I, I did nominate him before last night's game. Um, for me, it's Alaba and the whole Austria squad as a big, big disappointment. Um, and also, I have to say, still Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, he proved yesterday on the pitch that he can make a difference. But the whole, um, the whole, the, the scenes that we have seen before the game, you know, how he throws that microphone away and so on. There's just something missing. Is he overplayed? I don't know. But he is not on top of his game at the moment. And you can tell. And everybody expects more from him. He expects more from himself. So at the end of the day, he's playing under his expectations and is a disappointment. Paddy, you want to mount a defense here, I feel. Yeah, I think not not in specifically not specifically just to, to Nico's points there, because I think Nico's made some good points there. But I, I was at a pub, uh, Nico was there and when we were watching um, Portugal in their in their second group game when he missed that penalty. And I actually heard the pub sort of almost cheer when that happened. And and I was sort of just thinking, well, why is it that he can just inspire such vitriol when he really hasn't done anything? And I and I, so I went home last night and I was thinking about it because it really annoyed me. It really annoyed me. These weren't Iceland fans booing him. You know, you look at social media, he gets a lot of you know, really, you know, bad rap on there as well. So I went home and I made a list of all the things that Cristiano <laughs> is and that Cristiano Ronaldo is not. Do you have so that list with you? I do, I do. So, And you, you know that this is the first time I've actually brought notes to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, Paddy's so and no notes. I wanted man. to get this right. Um, so let's just go through the things that he is, okay? He's extremely egocentric. He's mm-hmm. petulant and just plain vain. You know, no one can sort of argue with that. He's a vastly inferior free kick taker than he thinks he is. Um, he's driven below, beyond any level we can comprehend, which makes him both a champion and someone who'd be really lousy to have a beer with. Oh, terrible. Yeah. He's a philanthropist who has donated hundreds of thousands of euros um, to worthy causes each year that not many people talk about. From all reports, he's a good father. Uh, he's an inspiration to millions of kids around the world. He's currently, because he won the last Ballon d'Or, the best player in the world. And along with Messi, we will be telling our kids about how good these two were in years to come. So these are the things that Cristiano Ronaldo is, and I think that's hard to debate. I thought through that list pretty well, and I think that probably can't be debated too much. Maybe something. Well, no, I think I think you're 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 bang on with all about that. But people never want to accentuate the positives of a person, correct? And especially when coming, and I know myself coming from a media background, that the good stuff just doesn't sell. Sure, yeah, people want to people want to highlight the negativity, and that's because that's what people are sort of interested. I understand in. that. So, for example, um, uh, he shaved a scar into his head. Um, it, to uh, you know, to show solidarity with a young kid who had had a similar sort of scar mm-hmm. on his head for the last few games, mm-hmm. but nobody talks about that. No, that's right. Yeah, and they, they all all they want to talk about is that sort of ego driven monster that they exactly. that they see him as. And I mean, I did want to mention the fact that he is you know very egocentric, petrol, and he's far from a, a, a perfect guy. Um, did you want to say something just before I go into the things that he's not? 
Yeah, I just want to mention that it's obvious, like everybody has that opponent who's not playing in your team, who's mm -hmm. the best, yeah. right? And we all remember the Champions League final and we all remember how he celebrates, how he like scored that last deciding penalty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you build yourself up that way, you have to live with the... Um, Mm, yeah, with the with the joy you get from others, if you miss such an opportunity again, you know. Yeah, and listen, I, I again, I get you. I just think that it's it's a very much over the top, and this <clears throat> leads me to the things that Cristiano Ronaldo is not. He doesn't bite anyone. <laughs> That's a good start. Yeah. yeah, he's not racist. Yeah, he doesn't. Well, as far as you know, he's never slept with a teammate's wife, and we all know that there's players who have done all these things. <laughs> uh, he's not a drug cheat. He doesn't run down grandmothers for fun in his Lamborghini. <laughs> he's not Donald Trump. He's not Joseph Fritzl and he's not Adolf Hitler. But I tell you what, <laughs> sometimes it's like they're wearing the number seven when Cristiano Ronaldo is playing. That's just my only point that I think it's very much over the top. He deserves some of the criticism he gets, but I, I think it's very much over the top. I can't argue with any of that. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else can. Uh, no. I, it, just at one point, <laughs> I totally understand the microphone thing, by the way, because the Portuguese, uh, I think it was me, newspaper or TV that were, you know, trying to talk to him Abusing had him been, yeah, yeah they did yeah. saying pretty terrible things yeah. about his family and things like that. So as, I totally get that. As our colleague said, it's that outlet is a mixture between The Sun and TMZ, which, uh, you know, um, I think if they're asking you a lot of personal questions, then we might throw a microphone in the river as well. Okay, uh, let's move on to another disappointment. Um, and Freddy, for you, it's been Pogba and Griezmann. Yeah, I think the duo Pogba and Griezmann have just been a letdown. I mean, they came into the Euros as with so much hype behind, so much buzz behind. They were going to be the leaders of of the French team, and they just didn't stand up to the you know to the expectations. I don't think Pogba was as bad. He didn't do too bad, especially in the last game. In the first forty five minutes, he was he was actually really good uh, but then he just disappeared in the second half but they they just don't do as as much for the team you know like nobody was expecting Paya to you know take take the scene and be the main guy uh, everyone's just expecting Pogba and Griezmann and they just don't offer as much to the team as they're supposed to they've really frozen haven't they yeah I think they've shown moments I think Danny was in here the other week and, and sort of spoke about the pressure that Probably both of these players see themselves under. I think Pogba, as Danny pointed out, sort of saw this as the tournament for him, you know, um, for him to sort of come out and say, yeah, I've been playing well for Juventus, but I can be the future of this French team. Whereas I think for, for Griezmann, uh, you know, sometimes he just looks like a, a lonely little boy out there. You know, when he's on, he's fantastic. But I, I think that he'd had a, quite a long season and perhaps a little hangover from that. I actually think we'll see the best of both of them in, in the next couple of games, to be honest. Uh, well, let's hope not. Yeah, is, well. Is what I yeah. would say. Uh, maybe we'll have a little chat about that later on. We might crowbar in some, some Irish talk if we can. Nico, your biggest surprise was Croatia's win over Spain. That yeah. shouldn't be a surprise at all. Croatia are really good. They are really going to be the best team at, at the Euro so far. Yeah, well, yes, they, they are really good and um, they will make it far um, in this tournament. But it's still... The fact that Spain, after two quite um, well played first matches and so on, I just would not have thought that they that they give it away. And you have to remember, it's it was their first defeat in fourteen consecutive uh, wins, or, or at least not losing in in the Euro. Girls. In yeah, Euro, the it was the first conceded. defeat of Vincent Del Bosque with Spain in a Euro competition. Mm. So 
I think it was even like their first goal conceded in like 14 games of the mm. Euros or something like that. Yeah, so it's it's less... I'm not surprised that Croatia is good. I'm just surprised that finally, finally somebody made it happen and it won't be the last defeat of Spain in this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> it also sort of says a lot for Croatia on the other side that they were able to come back against a team like Spain who are so used to success at this level. Um, it shows that Croatia not only will go head-to-head with good teams, but can actually come back when challenged and, and, and you know, um, get results they need. My friend, you want to give a shout-out to Hungary? Yeah, I think they're the you know most surprising team in the tournament, especially in the last game against Portugal and the first one against Austria. I mean, yesterday they got pretty lucky with the two goals, uh, both deflected, but they play really offensive and attacking football. And at least for a neutral fan it's really good to see i mean they they're not scared to attack they play pretty fluid uh good passing they attack from the wings and they just they're a courageous team you know they're not scared of to concede or what will happen they just go for it and you know it's proven because they they're in the next round now nobody's saying iceland come on lads maybe iceland, it was the northern maybe, ireland maybe it was the paille thing you know everyone thinks everyone else is going to pick iceland Oh, okay. we did, you know, we obviously did this, you know, um, without telling any anyone what what the other person was doing. That so. is true. Yeah. yeah, and and Iceland is kind of the the for me it's the it's the biggest underdog somewhere in the team. Although they have some some players like Gilfi Sigurdsson and so on and Gutierrez and so on that are known in Europe, um, but it's just that it's too perfect of a story to pick it somehow. <laughs> I think. Do you want to hear my amazing stat about Iceland? What's that? If you're Icelandic and male and aged between 20 and 40, you have a one in 2,000 chance of playing in the in the Iceland squad. Huh. That's great. Yeah. Oh, maybe I have a somehow far, far away related <laughs> friend, yeah. uncle or something in Iceland. I don't know what the rules are about that. If anybody is interested in Iceland, there's a great piece on The Guardian by Barney Roney who travelled over and saw how they're know setting up their academies of that it's, it's really really amazing stuff um nico your favorite team so far unsurprisingly is <laughs> the manshaft yeah yeah well I it's almost to. like you're biased i, I am biased and and i completely agree um are they really your favorite not... team so far though <sighs> i just wanted <laughs> i just wanted to get a minute or two extra time to talk about germany to be honest ian okay well <laughs> while we have you here uh, let's do a quick minute on mario gomez yeah. We all, I think we all agreed that Mario Gomez should start. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was the general consensus Yeah, last he week. starts, they yeah. score, they win. I mean, yeah. it makes sense to continue on like that in the next game, right? So just to just to kind of justify my myself why it's uh, my favorite team so far, I think they're playing good football and remembering the World Cup, how their game developed during uh, match by match. Um, they're still the biggest favorite in this tournament for me. And I'm look really yeah, yeah great yeah, me yeah. too yeah oh, they're okay. still the biggest favorite they had so many chances people forget because they just see the score one nil in the last match but they had so many chances and um, knock on wood if they create chances like this with Gomez in front and Müller playing his role properly they will go all the way that was an IKEA cupboard there's not a lot of wood in that to be honest <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Manfredi, it's almost like you're biased as well because you've also you've gone for Italy. Yeah, um, well, obviously apart from yesterday, which you shouldn't expect too much from the Italians when they're not supposed to win. Um, but 
they're just a team that truly believe in the manager and it shows on the pitch because um, everything Conte does and says, it, it reaches the fans as well. For example, he after the second game against Sweden, he told all the Italy fans that they had to come with the Italy shirt and um, to the next game against Ireland. And yesterday there was like 20,000 Italians with just a blue top. So I think there's so much belief in Conte, maybe not as much in the actual team, in the actual 11 or 23, but everyone truly believes in Antonio Conte's work. And um, yeah, so I think they're, they're definitely my favorite team, yeah. Okay. Well, their reward for uh, finishing top of the group is a match against Spain, which I'm sure they'll really enjoy. Yeah. The rest of those round of 16 fixtures is Switzerland, Poland, Croatia, Portugal, Wales, Northern Ireland, Hungary, Belgium, Germany, Slovakia, France, Ireland, and England, Iceland. Should we crowbar in some Ireland? No, talk? you've been wanting to. Just do it. Get it over and done with. Well, <laughs> there's a couple of things I want to raise. Four years ago, Seamus Coleman was, didn't make the Euro 2012 squad. And I think he was sitting at home in Donegal, you know, watching the matches from a bar or from his couch or whatever. Four years ago, four, yesterday, he was captaining Ireland in the Euros to a victory over Italy. That to me is, is arguably the story of the night for me because he was brilliant. And I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, uh, before Ireland qualified for the 2002 World Cup, they were playing Holland. And within about 50 seconds of the match in what was then Lansdowne Road, Roy Keane just put in this really thunderous tackle on uh, Mark Overmars. Set the tone for the match. Ireland went on and won. Yesterday, after about, I don't know, maybe was it maybe 50 seconds or something like that, uh, Coleman just sticks the boot in on the Silio. And then, oh, again, just set the tone for the game. <laughs> uh, and he was roaring across the pitch at McCarthy and all the other players. It was, it was brilliant to watch. Also, a word about James McLean, who uh, I used to watch play for Derry. And he was, again, you know, up and down the pitch all night, sticking the boot in. It was, it was great to see. Should have had a penalty. I would have eased my nerves it a, was a whole penalty. lot more. It absolutely it was, was a penalty. It was a, uh, definitely. It, was too, it wasn't a penalty. It was too soft. What? Too soft. <laughs> it was a little push from behind. Nothing, nothing more. <laughs> well, well, and um, Coleman, he probably picked the less toughest player in the Italy squad. I mean, if he did that against <laughs> Bonucci, then maybe, maybe he would have thought twice than doing that tackle. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to pick off the weakest, <laughs> the weakest link. The last thing I'd say, and then we'll 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 move on. I, I thought promise. the rant was over. No, 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 no. It's still going. It's still got. It's still got air in its lungs. Just before that beautiful ball from West Hoolan to set up Brady, he'd scuffed a chance to put Ireland into into the lead, and to keep that mental fortitude and to still keep on going. Well done, Wes. Little well. blokes, don't mess with this. What's that? Little blokes, don't yeah, mess yeah, with yeah. This. And he's just he's he's been he's been brilliant, and that's I'm very excited about facing France. I don't give us much hope. But we have beaten Italy and we have beaten Germany over the last the last couple of months. So and handballs don't ten, tend to count too much in the uh, Irish French games, anyway. Well, I tell you what, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't want to jinx it, but Manuel Neuer would not do what Sirigu did yesterday. No, when he's terrible scored. yesterday, Sirigu. Terrible. Well, what did he do? Okay. I missed this. <laughs> when the goal happened, Sirigu. But that was like the third time he did. He, he just dived in. Yeah. And he yeah. The oh, sorry. I see what you mean. Yeah. He came yeah, from yeah, the yeah. line and he didn't save. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, Manuel Neuer is a pretty good keeper. 
but you, we'll and, give, we'll give I, I just, I just and, wanted to, to and luckily get you back to the crown. Ireland, of course, are not <laughs> yeah. playing Germany for a while yet anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll play Germany <laughs> in the quarterfinals. <laughs> and the potential of playing in, uh, Germany in the semifinals, but the potential of playing England in a quarterfinals is very enticing. Um, anything, any fixture that anybody would like to have a word upon? Uh, Wales, Northern Ireland. Um, for me, I think it's a... You know, it's probably a fixture we would never have picked for around a 16 game at this tournament. Um, but it, it's going to show exactly where both teams are. I think, to be honest, they're both quite similar teams in terms of their work rate and their approach to the games. Wales, of course, have two very class players in, in Ramsey and Bale. Arguably think, three. Joe Allen. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been very good in this tournament. Um, I think... You know, he's uh, probably just been a bit of a bit player for, for Liverpool the last few months. Um, but I think those two in particular, those first two, uh, are probably going to be the difference. But it's just nice to see some some home nations facing off, I think, at, at, a, at a stage where you might not expect them to be. Yep. Manfredi, how will Italy be feeling about Spain? Um, I think Italy can actually beat Spain. They could slightly edge edge the game against Spain because Spain haven't been the same team in since the last two, four, six years arguably so I think um, if Italy stick to the right game plan we know that Conte pre- prepares his games uh, really meticulously like he, he's just so focused on the games and studies his his um, the opponents uh, you know precisely so I think um, I think if Italy stick to the game plan against Spain and just stay back a bit and then counter attack um, they can. They could probably go through. Yeah, they they might go through. I agree, but that the reason for that is only that underdogs play a really important role in this tournament. And for me, Italy is the best underdog of this tournament. Oof. Not, I mean, I, it, it's a it's a big name. Italy. Don't get me wrong. Italy an underdog. Yeah. Well. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they they can go far just because they're Italy. You know, they have it. They have it. But if you just look at this quad. Uh, I picked Italy as a team that goes home after the group stage. And now they made it, and now everybody's like, okay, Italy's back. Italy is a favorite again. They're not. They have a good manager. They have some decent players, but all in all, they're not better than Spain, France, Germany. They're just the best underdog for me in a tournament. I think not, not better than Ireland as well. I think collectively Italy is probably sure. absolutely could be better than Spain. <clears throat> absolutely, individually definitely not, but collectively. Yeah. And let's face it, they'll go as far as as Manfredi's superstitions allow them to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Nico. Uh, before we wrap this up, a quick word on Slovakia. You're not going to be too worried about that, are you? We have to be really careful. They're going to be really dangerous. Um, I want to compare them to Poland, um, whereas they have one or two players that just need one chance and they score, you know. And we have seen many matches that end 1-0 uh, this tournament. So even if Germany has 65% or more possession, um, it doesn't mean that it's going to be gonna be easy for us. So we need to be on our best game on that day. Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. Now, Wales are through to the next round with flying colours. Joining us on the line to talk about that is Phil Smith from Wales Online. Phil, you've been following Wales for quite some time now. Were you surprised that they finished top of the group? Well, in a sense, I think you always had a sense that England were going to blow it up a little bit, um, just from a lifetime of following them at major tournaments. And I think everything suggested that we knew Wales were good enough to beat Russia and Slovakia. Um, 
So I think it always was going to come down to how England did in their games. Um, you know, this Wales team have been together for such a long time. Most of these players were playing together in all the youth setup. Um, you know, the likes of Gareth Bale and Chris Gunter, you know, they're kind of childhood friends, really. So I think we always thought that they were going to surprise people. Um, I'm not necessarily thought. I'm not sure we thought they'd top the group, but I definitely thought they'd go through. Um, and I guess, you know, not not really much surprise to see England kind of make a hash of things. It must be really sweet, though, to finish ahead of England. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's a little bit of a strange one in that sense, because you, you've got to be honest and say, in the actual game, you know, the Wales and England game, you know, England outplayed Wales. I mean, Wales were really poor that day. Um, you know, they defended far too deep. They were really poor in possession. And it's quite a strange one, actually, because, you know, after that game, I think there was a real sense of deflation here in Wales because, you know, Wales is such a big rugby nation that from the football side of things, you know, it's quite, you know, we only get, we only get the attention of the nation sort of every now and then. And so I think after that, there was, there was a bit of a fear that things were going to kind of go downhill after that last minute goal. So that was really what made the Russia game, you know, such a magical night, really, because they just, you know, they, they turned up and delivered in such a big way and, you know, they've kind of got the whole nation behind them again now and it's you know really exciting going into the weekend. It was incredible how much kind of mental fortitude that they showed following that England uh, following that England defeat because they they really could have crumbled after that, couldn't they? Yeah, well, that, that, I mean, that was definitely the fear because, you know, Welsh football's got a pretty poor history when it comes to sort of last-minute disappointments. You know, you think just even the name Russia, you know, you go back to sort of 10 years ago when the threw away a really good advantage in the playoffs and there's been so many kind of near misses with Welsh football and I think everybody feared when that last minute goal went in the you know there was a definite sense of here we go again but you look at the squad and the likes of Gareth Bale and there's, there's such there's clearly such great mental strength there I think a lot of that's down to everything they've been through you know with the tragic time they had after Gary Speed's death and, and there is a real resilience about this team and you know, sometimes you've got to remember not to write them off so quickly because they, you know, they do always come back. They do surprise you. More often than not, in the last two or three years, they've been getting results in games which you kind of didn't expect them to. You mentioned Bale. Of course, he's obviously the you know the star name of the of the entire squad and always will be. But what are the other players who've who've really stood out for you at the tournament? Is is it Ramsey and Allen, or is there somebody else we've been missing? I, I think I think Joe Allen definitely makes such a big difference because. It's so important for Bale and Ramsey. I mean, Wales, you know, for for, for all, how, no matter how well they've done over the last couple of years, they're still quite a defensive-minded team. You know, they still like to play on the counter. And Joe Allen's so important because he's the man who releases Bale and Ramsey. And the speed in which he does that is so important. But I think the other guy that people probably haven't been paying much attention to who's been outstanding so far is Ben Davies. Um People probably kind of know him best as you know Tottenham's second choice left back, but he plays as a centre back for Wales, and you know he really looks like he's got everything for that role. He's he's a, he's a, you know he's a t- he's a tough cookie. He doesn't shy away from a challenge, but he's also really good on the ball as well. You know he can bring it out from the back and he can carry it past the midfielders. He's someone who I think um, you know I, I think his club career could could go really really sharply uphill in the next few years because this has been a really outstanding tournament for him. Phil, you probably didn't expect to be playing another home nation in uh, Northern Ireland uh, at this tournament. Um, what do you make of them, though? I mean, I don't think the stories are perhaps uh, 
really that different between between you guys. But you've probably mentioned uh, that they've got you know you've got probably a couple more class players than they do. But uh, yeah, how are you looking at them as as an opponent for the round of sixteen? I, I actually I think this is going to be a really tough game for Wales. I mean. In a sense, I think a lot of people, even though Turkey, you know, the way we were yesterday was either going to be Turkey or Northern Ireland for Wales. Um, and I think actually a lot of people were hoping it was Turkey just because Wales, this current Wales team especially, they love being the underdogs. They love being able to set, sit deep. They love being able to hurt teams on the counter. And of course, Northern Ireland aren't going to let them do that. They're such a well-drilled, resilient outfit. And like you say, you know, the, the, you have to say Northern Ireland have done astonishingly well to get to where they are and they're two quite similar tales you're right and I'm not actually sure they suits Wales because I think they like being the underdogs and I think they'll struggle playing against a team who sits sort of deep and soaks up the pressure because they're just not used to that Does Coleman have any selection headaches ahead of the match or do you expect him to pick the same side? I think the one big selection headache he has is, is who plays up front um, Generally speaking, the idea has always been that um, Hal Robson Carney will play up front because it's it's seen that he's the best player at holding the ball up and running the channels, and that gives Bale and Ramsey the space. Um, but he was pretty poor against England, um, and Sam Volks came into the team against Russia um, and did a pretty good job in that role. So I think you can you can pretty much put your pin in ten of the players; they'll be the same. But the on, the only one way you might see is you might see Robson Carney come back in for Volks. And what's the uh, what's the atmosphere been like back in Wales? Has it has it has the football managed to eclipse the rugby as you, as you mentioned before? It's not it's the kind of the second son syndrome for football. You know the the rugby the rugby boys um, are having a pretty tough time of it out in New Zealand, um, and so I think people are really getting into the football because the way the, the way the draws worked out, you know, we can see now Wales are going into a much easier half of the draw. Um, potentially got Belgium in the quarters who they had so much success against in qualifying so I think people are really starting to look at the tournament and getting excited about it and actually starting to think you know well, Wales could have a chance of going pretty deep in this thing which you know is so exciting for everyone OK before we let you go then a quick prediction for the Northern Ireland match uh, I, I think it will go to extra time I, I don't see um, Wales winning it in 90 minutes but I do think they'll I do think they'll win it in extra time, so I would go for 2-1 to Wales. That was Phil Smith from Wales Online. I've got an interesting stat for you, boys. Again. Again. You know Neil Taylor, who scored in the last game? Yep. Against Russia? He'd never scored for his country before, and his last goal at any level any level whatsoever, was against was for Wrexham against Greys in the Blue Square Bet Premier in front of 298 people <laughs> in April 2010. That's amazing. That's How did he way. get a call up to the national team? Well, <laughs> you think? I, let's 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 say goal scoring is not Neil's uh, is not Neil's forte. Swansea player now, of course, as well. No yeah. longer with uh, Wrexham. <laughs> no longer. He's he's done well since Wrexham. Um, you wanted to say something about England and Iceland, Nico. You've <laughs> if I were English, I'd be nervous. <laughs> yeah, you think you think Iceland are gonna smite England? It's gonna be it's gonna be really tough until late second half. I don't see England in their form dominating that. Like Iceland has been too good, too standing too tight, and they're fighting. They're fighting until last minute, and. We saw, like yesterday, for example, they can score too. Like 
they have some players if they get a, a ball on the on their feet in the box they just finish immediately and then it's going to be dangerous like i'm 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 not sure what i'm going to predict for that game but my heart my gut tells me iceland is going through Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Paddy, Nico, Manfredi, Phil and our producer Damien. Go to iTunes, download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast and while you're there you should download OneFootball too. You can also get in touch with us via SoundCloud, Twitter and Facebook at OneFootball. Thanks for listening. I